From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's the show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching and or reading recently. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. This week we're talking a queer erotic thriller, maybe, newfound footage, shocking, the making of the best action action film ever, Blue Eye Shadow, and a Malaysian folk horror movie. Yeah! Before we do get into that, I did want to say last week I wanted to mention, and I forgot because the moment we get on here, brain falls out ear, um, <laughs> that <laughs> the final episode of season three of Servant premiered last Friday. And so all of season three is out there and it is fabulous. It is really good. And it is. It's ends. like you and Andreas, Andreas talking about <laughs> Andrea. Uh, <laughs> I saw you talking about it on Twitter. Yeah. Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, it has a gasp-inducing moment at the very like it ends on like a oh no they didn't kind of moment, and I cannot yeah. wait. One for the... day I'll catch up on it. I swear I will. <laughs> Seriously, Mary Beth. There's only one season left, and then it's over. Oh, ca- oh. 
Wow. Okay. Good for them. I love when they make decisions like that to just like do a nice, good, solid four seasons and mm-hmm. then cut it off. But uh, tell me about this uh, queer erotic thriller, maybe question mark. Okay, so this movie I didn't even know existed until I saw Joe Lipset of the Horror Queers um, writing about it on Instagram. And I was like, queer horror? I'm in. And he had he had mentioned that it was a very messy movie. And um, oh boy, is it a messy movie. And I'll get into that in a minute. But the movie is called Exploited. Great. Off <laughs> to a... Stellar start. <laughs> and the one of the surprising things, and it's it's directed by John Abrahams, who um, people might remember as Bobby in the scary movie movie, um, the Billy Standin. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Or as the uh, um, the the uh, the weed uh, smoker. The, I am words. weed. <laughs> he is the weed. No, he's the uh, the, the the you know the kind of stoner character in House of Wax. He was also oh in. Oh my god! Meet the parents. Um, but like, holy shit, he's in Kids and the Faculty. Yeah. Um. So, but he directed this, and it opens up with the shot of a man's butt, and I'm like, hell yeah. Here for it. After last week watching Deep Water, where there's like no dong, no butt, this movie is the exact opposite. There is all the dong, no dong no all butt. the butt. It's dong. like everything. But uh, so it's about, so it opens up on this this guy who is a cam guy. He's going to school at this college and he's camming with some woman and she's like, hey, who's the guy behind you? And then he gets viciously attacked by a man in a gimp suit. Ooh. And um, then it cuts to black and then it's like opening and there's a freshman going to college um, named Brian, who I guess at this college, they have this weird USB drive thing that allows you to connect to the servers or whatever. I don't know. It's weird. But his he he goes, he meets his, his new roommate, who is a QT Patuti, who is closeted and ends up they end up like fooling around that night and then he's like don't tell anyone don't tell my girlfriend the next day but and he uses his his roommates well he thinks it's his roommate's thumb drive to accidentally connect to the internet and it's full and he discovers that it's full of videos of the cam guy from the very beginning um and so he starts to like go through his videos in almost a salacious manner because he's like camming with guys and girls and a wide variety of kinks from like people in baby clothes to at one point he is furiously masturbating a um balloon animal okay and so it kind of follows his investigation into what happened to the cam guy who also might somewhat be in some way related not not fit not like familially related but related to whatever's going on with his roommate and everyone just wants to fuck everyone and everyone is super horny. hell yeah hell yeah and it's a little messy because it does go into some dark territory there's a, a, a subplot at some point involving um male rape of the clo- of a closeted character and it oh boy does not feel like it's being explored in any like relevant way just more of like a shocking moment so there's like some parts in this that are just like i think you're just throwing a lot of shit together and hoping to see something sticks that said i was as i was telling my roommate i was like this movie i don't think is good but i had a great time watching it and i couldn't not watch it and it was kind of nice to see like what is probably i mean i think you could classify it as an erotic thriller in a way and it's completely gay uh 
so I love seeing that. And I love seeing a movie that is very kind of embracing those themes in a very explicit way, especially after watching like deep water and a number of the um, erotic thrillers that I watched last year. So yeah, exploited the title makes sense by the end of it. Um, not great, but very entertaining. Sick. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> what about this uh, newfound footage? Surprising no one. <laughs> Another, I'm shocked. A new one. Um, this is uh, this is Godforsaken. Okay. That just came out a couple weeks ago. Or maybe last week, week before. I can't remember. Um, it is a found footage film about a guy who wants to make a documentary about a woman who basically died and came back to life in his hometown. So it opens up with this guy going home for a funeral and he's filming it because he's a filmmaker and filmmakers are always filming. (laughs) And at the funeral, her casket tips over and she crawls out and like she's alive. And so cut from that footage to like a couple months later where he is going to make a documentary about her and how she's still alive and like what the fuck is going on. And he goes back with two crew members uh, and it's basically them documenting what the fuck is happening. Um, Like a pretty, you know, this found footage premise, you know, pretty, pretty straightforward. I got the PR for this and the poster is incredibly bad. I'm looking at it now. And I was like, well, I'm going to try it. Woman is like a cross, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Going to try it. The poster don't believe the poster and how bad the poster is. This movie's actually pretty fucking good. So, I will caveat this with saying that the acting in parts is is spotty. There is, are some genuinely disturbing moments as, like, what is happening in this town. Like, what is happening with this girl literally takes over the town. Mm. And this, like, it's like this weird, it becomes this weird cult, re- religious cult possession movie. Like, mass hysteria kind of thing. Oh. And there are some, like, horrific moments at the end of, of someone dying. And, like, I was just incredibly, like, it's weird because some of the actors, like, the all of the actors give both really great performances and not good performances. It's 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 like it feels like you can tell when their confidence was building because I think they're all like they all it's a, an entire town of people and it feels like it's literally a town of people who have never acted before. Mm-hmm. So they're nervous at first, but the more they get into it, the more intense and like amazing it is. So it's it's a weird viewing experience in that regard in terms of like how uneven some of the performances are. But like there is some genuinely awful moments that are quite upsetting in this movie that I was not expecting. Um, and I, I quite, I quite enjoyed it actually. It's pretty huh. fucking entertaining. And like for as, you know, straightforward forward of a premise as it is, it executes it quite well. So I was um, pleasantly surprised by that one. So found footage people, I definitely recommend it. Like it's definitely rough. It's got some weird cheesy moments, but it's also got some really fucked up moments. Like it went places that I was not expecting. I was like, oh, it's like a zombie found footage movie. No, it's it, something similar, but not really. Like huh. think wreck. Think okay. wreck. Not as good, but it's got wreck vibes. Um, I think it's currently playing on the Terror channel. I think it's the YouTube channel for Terror Films, and oh. then it's coming to like full distribution. I think either I can't remember the dates, but it's 
It's either out now or about to be out. It's pretty damn good. So highly recommend. Sweet. I get one, another instance of a poster not doing the movie justice. <laughs> yeah, that poster is, is rough. <laughs> it looks yeah. really rough. Yes. So what's this making of the best action film ever made? Okay, so I've been listening to this audiobook um, called Blood, Sweat, and Chrome, The Wild and True Story of <gasps> Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, hell yeah. I've heard good things about this book. Uh, yeah, I finished it. I finished it listening to it today. And Mary Beth, it just makes me love the movie so much more. Like once you start to realize um, just how much went into making this film and George Miller's like 20 year, 20 year journey to get this film made. It's like, I don't know. It puts the whole movie, which I think is a, is a masterpiece into it's perspective. It's a perfect movie. It's a perfect movie. It's a perfect movie. And um, the the writer Kyle Buch- Buchanan he um, dives into kind of a little bit of Miller's history with Mad Max and then his film history with Babe and the fact that he was attached to direct Contact at one point and then doing Babe two and then doing Happy Feet kind of digging Isn't through. It's so funny that he fucking did Babe and Happy Feet. Mm-hmm. It makes me laugh. <laughs> And in fact, Babe 2 actually kind of was the first derailment of this movie because it bombed because people were like, this movie is dark. And so that seems to be like a general like thesis going through a lot of what this is, is that like you're with with movies, you're either going to get a George Miller makes a ton of money or a George Miller that does not make any money um, with his movies. And as we know, in a in a system that is all about making money that creates trouble. But there's like, so this, this is like a bunch of interviews and a bunch of um, investigative journalism digging into what was going on. And so there's like, you know, there's some salacious stuff in there, you know, the kind of digging into the, the spat between um, Charlie Theron and Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy kind of comes off as like an egotistical dick in this movie, in this uh, write up. I think he was probably a little too young and too uh, full of testosterone to really uh, be a team player in this film. Uh, like, they almost came to blows at one point between him and Charlize when he Holy was shit. three or four hours late on set. And she was making a point, and so she was sitting in the rig, in the desert, in the rig... For three hours waiting for him. And then when he finally swaggered onto set, like storms up to him and says, what the fuck are you doing? And they got into like a huge situation where they had to hire a a woman uh, producer to come on board because she was like, I'm not going to be alone with him. Like a lot of that is in there. And that's, you know, gossip juicy stuff. But a lot of it is, is digging into the fact that they hired, for instance, um, Eve Ensler, the creator of the Vagina Monologues, to come on and do yeah. do spot notes on the the script, do like script notes for for the uh, very feminist script, and she actually was hired to come to uh, Namibia and sit down with the um, Imogen's or what's his name, Immo- Immortal Joe, Immortal Joe's wives, to kind of explain them the situation that they're running from to give them context. Because she, like, is ever since the vagina monologue, she does a lot of, like, stuff in, in countries where sex slaves and everything exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she came on to give, give kind of like, her 
perspective and help out with the script a bit because it's again a man written script directed by a man yeah and so that there's bits about that there's bits about all the you know the stunts in there and the fact that like they had one accident but there was no deaths no like major situations on like just that's wild to me i know The fact that at one point the um, production was shut down and they didn't have the ending or the or the beginning of the film filmed, and they said you have no more money, go do something. So the parts that were set in like um, Immortal Joe's like palace at the beginning at the very end weren't in the movie originally because they didn't have funding, and they said stop, you're going home. And so they kind of no dig way. into like the studio politicking behind that. They dig into how the, the success story of it, the Oscars, like there's a whole lot. And it just made me realize just like how magical it is that we got that movie. Like it made me emotional, yeah. getting emotional now because it's such a, it's such a great movie. And when you hear about like all the heartache that went into it, it's like, it's even more of a unicorn because it should yeah. not have existed at many points in 20 fucking years. It could have never been made. And so that's really cool. So I highly recommend this book. Cool. Highly recommend. Let's talk about Blue Eyeshadow, though. I saw X. Yeah. You hated it, right? It was terrible. Blue Eyeshadow Summer, everybody. <laughs> blue Eyeshadow Summer. I literally did eye- Blue Eyeshadow to do an interview on camera the, uh, yesterday because I was like, I'm feeling inspired by Maxine. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I am obsessed with X. It's so good. Oh my god, it's so good. Did it make you yeah, sad god. like it did me? Yes, like I, I, I like knew kind of the gist of what was happening, but like not. I didn't see a lot of spoilers, and it's it is really sad, mm-hmm. and it's one of the most effective horror movies I've seen in a long time that gives you a really good killer with a really good backstory, and you feel mm-hmm. some, you feel a lot of empathy for them, but you also hate them and it's fascinating like how well he was able to really strike that balance we haven't had that in a while Mm-mm. you know what i mean and like i really appreciated that i think the one thing that bothered me and i think like this is something that he's that Ty West has addressed like the people in old people makeup instead of using real old people i don't know i I didn't think you needed to make them like super like ugly old people either, but that's that's neither here nor there. That was just like a little bit like playing into the exploitation aspect of all yeah. that and everything. But like regardless, God, the women, whim- women in this movie, mm. Mia Goth, Brittany mm. Snow, mm. Gemma Ortega, mm. Brittany Snow. I love Brittany Snow. I grew up watching her stuff. Like her movies were like right were made were like released like right when I was like the age to be watching like the rom com gr- stuff and like prom night. Like I saw prom night in theaters. <laughs> 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 like I love Brittany Snow, and so seeing her in this <laughs> as like a sex loving like stripper. Yeah. Who regularly has sex with Kid Cuddy. Like, good for you. Get it, girl. Oh. I, and, like, not for nothing, there's a black character in it. And, like, it's not made, like, a huge deal about. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a movie where it's, like, there's, like, a little bit of that. Like, a little twinge of it in certain parts. But it's a movie with a black character with a white woman in the 70s, which is a pretty big statement in and of itself, like that kind of like political statement of a white woman and a black guy being in a, like a sexual, very sexual relationship. 
But like, it's not played as like, look, it's the black character. It's, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, it just, it felt like such a good movie for this moment, despite being set in the 70s. Like, it just, there's so much sex. It's so hot, too. Oh, my God. Whew. Yeah. Whew. And it has uh, the guy from My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To. The sickly brother. Oh, my God, that is him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's not sickly in this one. He wants <laughs> no, to he sure isn't. Cinema. Cinema. Oh, it's just so good. And I'm so mad that I had the worst viewing experience with it. Oh, did you? I did. Because, okay, so picture this. It's a Saturday night. Steve doesn't want to go see this movie with me. That's totally fine. I love going to movies by myself. I pop an edible. I walk on down to the movie theater. That is a five-minute walk from my apartment. I buy a giant Pepsi slushie. I sit down. I'm feeling high, feeling good, and the movie starts, and I am just vibing. It is Mm -hmm. amazing. I'm having Mm -hmm. a great time. Everyone's really hot. Everyone's really good. And then we're getting to the end, like to the end part. We all know the end. And all of a sudden, a group of young people just walk into the theater. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. And they decide to walk up to my row in a theater that is mostly empty. It's still it's like 630 on a Saturday. And it's a relatively empty theater. They decide that my row is the row to sit in. Of course. And so two of them sit next to me, like right next to me. And the guy who's sitting directly next to me promptly, promptly, promptly starts going, excuse me, excuse me, Oh hell excuse no. me. And I was like, what? He's like, where can I charge my phone? And I was like, what the fuck are you asking me? I was like, you were in a movie theater, sir. I was like, what? And then he goes, is this the end of the movie? And I was like, literally, yes, it's the last 10 minutes. Prompting me to miss a part of it that I know what happened, but I didn't see a pivotal moment that I'm pissed about because he kept asking me fucking questions. And then he proceeded to sit on his phone full brightness. And then his girlfriend next to him was like talking the whole time. No, I would have stabbed someone. Was so mad. Yeah, this is why all problems aside, because I realize that like a lot of people have complicated thoughts about the Alamo Draft House as a whole. But this is why I can't see movies outside of the Alamo, the Alamo Draft House because shit like this happens all the fucking time. And it's a bummer. Like I haven't had an experience like that. Well, I haven't been to the theater. Obviously, like I haven't. Mm-hmm. I haven't really been going to the theater. So I haven't had that experience in a long time. But, like, even before that, I hadn't really had a bad experience like that. Like, pre-pandemic normal shit. And that just really sucked. That was, that was, uh, that was shitty. I'm pissed regardless, for you. <laughs> regardless, I loved it. It's an incredible movie. And I'm excited for the prequel. <laughs> yeah. Which will be very interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm glad Ty West is back, man. Like, he, this is not... The Innkeepers, this is not House of the Devil. This is like... It sure is not. Very different. Which is great, though. Surprising, too. Did you gasp? Yeah, there's the two deaths? parts where I gasped. There's two deaths, but yeah. Like, and I knew that they were coming, too. It's so... And it's just, like, so good. It's like, you can know something's coming, but they still get you. Oh, and then one last thing. The editing was so good. Like, the fl- yeah. these flashes between, like, oh, God, the transition... Oh, 
Yeah. It was the perfect amount of artsy fartsy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Okay, so we we watched a Malaysian fo- not found footage. I keep saying that too. I keep wanting to say found footage. You have gotten like in my brain, Mary Beth. In your head, found, found, found. Edge, for edge, for edge. Yep. You're welcome, listeners. Anyway, Malaysian folk horror. Yes. Ro. Yes. AKA Soul. Yes. What did you think, Terry? Um. Okay, so it's beautifully shot. It has some gnarly moments in it. Um, there's some really cool moments of like people not seeing things that are happening. So there's some like background stuff that I think is really good. There's a lot that kind of goes on in it. And I'm not 100% sure that it works in what it's trying to do. Uh, but that's the basic, my basic thoughts about it. I'm curious what you thought, because I, I want to dig into why I don't think it works. But I'm curious initial thoughts from you. Real quick, I totally... We didn't give a synopsis of this movie real quick. Oh, Oops, shit, that's yeah. my fault. I just jumped right the fuck in. Um, <laughs> I was like, wait, hold on a second. We didn't explain what this movie is about. Um, okay, so this movie is based on Malaysian folklore um, from Letterboxd. This is the synopsis. A cutoff from civilization. A single mother puts her children on high alert when they bring home a young girl caked in clay. She speaks of spirits and spirit hunters, but these are not mere superstitions. As more strangers show up on their doorstep, she quickly finds another reason to fear the forest. Uh, that's pretty vague, but... Better yeah. than the one that's Basically, on IMDb. What's the one on IMDb? Set in the past in which a family gets a visit from a strange little girl with a frightening prediction. Oh. I mean, she does give a prediction. She says you're going to die when the moon is full. Yeah. But <laughs> doesn't really tell you a whole lot. But yeah, I so I I really really love the end. I think Oh, okay. I think when kids start dying, I got really into it, which is so fucked up to say. <laughs> <laughs> but it like it goes against those taboos in a way that I really like I don't like seeing kids die, but I like movies that are mean. Yeah. It sounds so fucked up. There's no like, good way for me to say it. But, like movies that are mean and like willing to like go that go there, I really appreciate. And I also was like kind of stoned when I watched it, so like that might have something to do with it. But just like I, the end is just I think really interesting how it all comes together, and also this like <sighs> this. What am I trying to say? I'm not quite sure what I'm trying to say. It's all jumbling in my head, but. Basically, I love the end. The middle is slow. <laughs> I think it gets kind of repetitive. Okay. If that make if that makes sense. But then I then I really love the end, which is annoying because I was just like I got really into it once the, the girl starts hitting her head on the nail. <laughs> I mean, that part was incredibly gnarly and was probably my I hate to say favorite part of the movie, but it was like yeah. the part that was like oh shit. Yeah, I it's it's funny though because I had the exact opposite reaction. I was really no feeling. Way. I was really feeling the beginning. I agree. The middle was a little slow, but then I don't think it, I don't think the narrative sells the people are seeing things that aren't really their aspect very well. It felt the execution of that kind of trying to bring everything together for me didn't felt very sloppy. I was thinking back to like some movies that I've seen and people are going to laugh that I'm bringing this one up, but Blair Witch 2 
which also plays with people killing people and seeing things that aren't really there, I thought did a much better job of that than this film in terms of the execution of being like, oh, shit. I was like, this movie, I'm not I'm still kind of confused as to what is happening to whom and for what reason. And it, it bothered me a little bit that the hunter who shows up with one milky eye sometimes doesn't have a milky eye and sometimes did. And I wasn't quite sure if that was intentional or what was going on there. So there's like, I just, the little details like that just kept pulling me out of the story. Okay. And I just, I don't think it, I don't think it all came together in a way that I think was intended for me personally. So that's interesting that we had. A that, is, that is interesting. Big different reaction to the end. Yeah. Hmm. So did you like it overall? Would you give I it? I did. I really, I really liked it overall. Um, I also have like a soft spot for Southeast Asian horror movies mm. because I, <laughs> there aren't a lot of them and I just love that they exist. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't think it's like totally successful, but I think there's a lot of really interesting, I think the lore behind it and like the end mm. scene, which is talking about like we are ephemeral mm -hmm. was like really effective for me. And that All whole thing. All we need thing, to do like, is whisper. I love that oh, line. It's just so, I think just like her character was so cool. And I think that just like that whole part really got me. Um, yeah, I did like her. I just, I don't know. I just felt that some of the way that they were showing people yeah. seeing things that were really there, I didn't think was as effective for me. But I loved, I loved her. Yeah. Um, I thought one of the things she said was a little on the nose. I wrote it down. You could have saved the family, but all you thought about was your daughter. You were selfish. I'm like, okay, this is a little on the nose. That also might have been a poor translation, too. I wonder if it's one of those things, like... <laughs> I don't think this thing was translated very well. That was the other yeah. the other thing. There were some word choices yeah. that I was like, Yeah, sure. I, I agree with that. But um, I think it's a pretty... I think if you're looking for folk horror that isn't, like, the typical, mm. like, British countryside, definitely <laughs> check this out. It's on Shudder. It's really interesting playing with Malaysian folklore. I think it's just, uh, it's definitely a good change of pace for mm -hmm. what you usually typically think of with folk horror. Yeah. So. It's beautifully shot. I will say that. It's, it's gorgeous. It's beautifully shot. And it's well acted. 83 minutes long, too. Mm -hmm. Like, it does feel a little long sometimes, I will say that. But um, you feel that 83 minutes, which is a bummer, but. But it's it's funny, Mary Beth, that you say that it's not um, a British uh, countryside because. Um, <laughs> What are we watching next week, Mary? <laughs> well, next week we're going back to the British countryside with the kill list. Ben Wheatley's the kill list. I'm excited. I've seen this once. I've been wanting to talk about this movie forever and rewatch it. So I'm very excited. I've seen excited. it once and I don't remember much about it. So I'm excited to revisit. I've seen it. I'm going to say twice. And the last okay. time I watched it was when I was still in Chicago. So it's been a minute. Oh, wow. So I am. I'm excited. I wrote it. I've only because I, I wrote about it. It's the only reason I remember like the weirdly mm. specific. <laughs> Unless I write about a movie, I will forget that I've ever seen it. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I'm very very excited for Kill List um, next week. But then also, who are we talking to on the next episode, Terry? Okay, so on Monday we are talking with J. M. Brandt, one of the co-writers of the comic book Swamp Dog which is this sort of like um, zombie apocalyptic sort of kind of. Yeah. yeah. How did he? It's like Confederate voodoo soldiers mm -hmm. fucking shit up. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's a good. There's it's first good. two issues are out. Um, so 
yeah, we're, we're talking with him and we're talking about The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Oh, yeah. the best movie. I go a little speaking overboard. Of per- speaking of perfect, speaking of perfect movies, the thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I go a little overboard in my theorizing. So if you guys have thoughts on who the thing is by the end of the movie, I'm ready to have a discussion. <laughs> so, listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Have you watched or read any of the things we talked about this week and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for things for us to cover? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to give us a rating and a review and make sure you're subscribed. And remember that Mary Beth is giving out found footage horror movie suggestions for those who give us a review. So, you know, Yay. go do that. Thank you to uh, Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.